Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees and anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, I'm one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the founders of Dragon Bites. This week we're going to continue our episode on neonatal thrombocytopenia. It is a continuation of the episode we started last week, so if you haven't listened to that yet, it's probably worth going to listen to that first. At any rate, in this episode, Dragon Bites host Dr. Mega Jagger discussed this topic with consultant paediatric haematologist Dr. Indu Thakka. Anyway, let's get started. Um, moving on from autoimmune thrombocytopenia um, to another um, more significant, more dangerous diagnosis, the platelets, where the platelets continue to fall on repeat tests and they reach single digit or they, are, they were already single digit when we first performed a full blood count on a baby. <clears throat> and we are considering alloimmune thrombocytopenia as a diagnosis in this case. Um, what is um, neonatal alloimmune thrombocytopenia? Um, I think we've already discussed that it is antibodies created by mum against the neonatal antigens that were not present in the mum. So the antibody then gets passed on to the baby, causing low platelets in the baby. Yeah, and it and can the origin of those fetal. Sorry, mm-hmm. the origin of those antigens would be the inheritance from dad. Yeah, inheritance from dad. Um, it can present in a fet- in the fetal state as well as in a newborn state. So, uh, in antenatally, if it presents antenatally, it can cause um, intracranial hemorrhages antenatally. Um, is there any other um, antenatal finding that could lead us to the diagnosis of NATE? No, that would be because you know you can't see the. Um petechia on the skin if the child if the fetus had any that wouldn't be visible on the scan so in terms of signs and of thrombocytopenia it's usually petechia bruising mucosal bleeds and the only mucosal bleed you can pick up antenatally would be an intracranial hemorrhage okay lovely thank you how common is this diagnosis then it affects roughly one in 1500 pregnancies so it's not common. And again, it's not to say that every pregnancy affected by NATE will have an intracranial hemorrhage. The presentation can vary from just an incidental pickup on a full blood count, um, ranging to petechia and bruising only, and then the severest form being an intracranial hemorrhage. So the affection rate is 1 in 1,500. Out of that, um, up to about... Uh, 10 to 30% of those affected pregnancies will have uh, intracranial hemorrhage. Okay. And how do we come to the diagnosis of NATE? Um, what are the investigations, specific investigations that we perform? So you need to send um, EDTA samples, which is a purple top full blood count sample, um, on the baby, mom and dad. Um, and you will need to send off clotted samples in the yellow top from mum. So on the clotted sample, um, the blood service will do a test called MIPA, this M-A-I-P-A, and that essentially stands for monoclonal antibody immobilization of platelet antigens. 
and that is that test is basically looking for antibodies in mum's serum against the antigens on dad's platelets so it's a test to pick up antibodies the mipa once you demonstrate presence of antibodies by mipa you then have to go and do phenotyping of the platelet antigens on the baby mum and dad so there are sort of up to number 5 so there it's hpa which is human platelet antigen and you've got 1 3 5 9 different types of human platelet antigens and you try and characterize which allele of these antigens is present on mum which is present on dad and look for the difference so the commonest scenario we see is uh, mum being hpa 1b 1b and dad having hpa 1a either 1a 1a or 1a 1b so he's either homozygous or heterozygous for the 1a uh, so because mum is homozygous for 1b 1b she will make antibodies to 1a that dad has is that making sense yes so the most common antibodies that we see is hpa 1a 1a yeah and then the next common is for 5b so mum will be 5a 5a and dad will be either 5a 5b or 5b 5b yeah heterozygous or homozygous so um that's called phenotyping of uh, the family's platelet antigens you can confirm that doubly by doing genotyping for these antigens okay and that is important for assessment of future pregnancies then because then you have the family's genotype with you and if the mum becomes pregnant again then that that genotyping will help guide the management of future pregnancies hmm. how long does it take for mipa test to come back uh, the test itself um, is not too difficult uh, and they should be able to report to you within 24 hours but i don't know what the turnaround times for wbs are but it shouldn't take too long i'm assuming that this test is not available in all the hospitals and district general hospitals no no mipa is a very specialized test that only blood services will do um so if we have confirmed with mipa that there is um say antibodies present against hpa 1a um will they go on further to do the genotyping themselves or we have to request the genotyping no no so the mipa and phenotyping are the composite test package for nate so those will be done again genotyping may vary between blood um centers and i haven't quite checked with wbs whether they do i know that the center in filton definitely does it but that's a referral center for uh, anything to do with transfusion so it's possible in uk it is possible in uk i can tell you that much so that will be done okay um thank you Uh, so when i was reading through a paper about nate um i came across a paper which suggested that there are still some phenot some phenotypes that have not been di- that have not been invented yet so there might be a case of nate but we cannot confirm it via the investigations is that true. correct true hmm. coming down to the management then um 
how will we manage Nate? So because um, the baby has these antibodies running in their system, you want to give them platelets which are negative for those antigens that the antibodies are specific to. So you want to give them platelets that are HPA, 1A and 3B negative. And there is a pool of donors in UK that are known to all blood services. Um, and most blood services will keep some of these platelets in stock. Uh, having said that, even if the blood service has those platelets in stock, there's always going to be a logistical issue of them reaching you. Because let's say uh, this HPA 1A3B negative unit that we want is actually sitting in Newcastle. So you may not be able to get that unit of platelets in good time for you to give it to the baby now. So you request the specific platelets, but you don't actually want to delay managing this patient. So what you do is you give them IVIG one gram per kilogram and give them a random bag of platelets that the blood bank would have supplied to you. Uh, and that will raise your platelet count to a safe range because you said this was sort of single unit platelet count. So you want to bring it up as soon as possible. So this it may raise your platelet count to say, let's say 20, 30. So at least it's double digits. So it's safe till you get your specific platelets in hand. When you give platelet transfusion in these cases, it's always a good idea to do an increment level about an hour after you've given the platelet transfusion to see how effective, uh, because even with the match platelets, you want to make sure that you're getting a good rise and you report those increment levels back to the blood service because then they can select out the best donor for the baby. Okay, and they should be given after the IVIG dose or alongside the IVIG dose. If you have so the specific, if you have the specific um, HPA 1A3B negative, then you don't need IVIG. The IVIG is to give you a better increment if you're giving random platelets. Okay, lovely. Um, so in the management, we have got platelets, um, specific HPA typed, um, if we have available, if not, um, and we are time critical, we need time critical transfusion, we can give any platelets along with IVIGs, one gram per kilogram. Um, and we should see better increment with the HPA typed platelets that we need. How long does it take for the platelets to come back down again if we have given um, specific platelets that we wanted to give? They can last in your system for five to seven days. That would be the best bet. So you do need to monitor and see what's happening. And would you recommend that we repeat the platelet count one hour after, even with the specific platelets, if we have given those? Yes, I think so, because you you can still have some variations uh, with different donors. So if you have more than one type of don one donor available in the area and you see differential increments, then the blood service can preferentially get you platelets from the donor where the increments are better. Okay. Um, because it is an immune-related disease, um, is there any role of exchange transfusion or getting the antibody, getting rid of the antibodies that the baby has in the system. The procedure itself, in terms of risk-benefit ratio, would probably fall more in the risk arm because you have these other strategies to cope with the situation. 
so from that point of view, I don't think exchange is a feasible option when you have better options available. Okay. And um, how should we be doing cranial ultrasounds for babies course, who are diagnosed with NAIT? Um, is there a threshold for platelets or we should be doing in all babies with NAIT? No, I think any baby with thrombocytopenia should have a cranial ultrasound. You will know that better than me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think every baby with thrombocytopenia should get a cranial ultrasound at least. Um, we have discussed the criteria for platelet transfusion. I think every neonatal unit has their own guideline on when to transfuse a baby with platelets. Um, and we've also discussed the special requirements for platelet transfusion in NATE. We've discussed the role of IVIGs. Is there any role of steroids? Uh, steroids can dampen immune responses and get the level of antibodies down. So again, it boils down to the sort of risk-benefit ratio. Um, so in the antenatal um, management of NATP, some women get given steroids. But I think uh, that is more to do with the situation where, uh, you know, you despite uh, the best management possible, let's say, of uh, so in antenatal management, what tends to happen is in UK, uh, mums would um, get fetal blood sampling done from the gestational age of 24 weeks onwards. And if the platelet count is low, then the baby gets an intrauterine platelet transfusion. That has been the standard, uh, but uh, because of um, fetal loss rate of 8.3%, uh, some people have trial strategies like giving IVIG one gram per kilogram to mom on a weekly basis with continuing scans, and then only give the intrauterine platelet transfusion if there's intraventricular hemorrhage. So, um, and then if there is an intraventricular hemorrhage, uh, you probably, it's more risky to leave the baby in with the possibility of further extension of the bleed. And you don't know how well you're going into the fetal vessels to transfuse the platelets. So if there is a need for um, early delivery, then you will know this better than me, that steroids will help in lung maturation of the baby. So then it serves a dual purpose there that you're trying to achieve lung maturity and at the same time dampening the immune response. So there's the role of steroids in uh, NATE. Okay. And as we've already discussed that, although it, well, um, although it is similar to the RH incompatibility, but it, it can affect the first baby as well. And then in subsequent pregnancies, I'm assuming that it will be a severe presentation in the subsequent pregnancies. Is that correct? So um, it's not like the potentiation effect you see in RH where the subsequent ones will be more severe. But um, it sort of tends to fall out. If you've had an intracranial hemorrhage in the first pregnancy, then you'd be very, very cautious about having it in the second one and trying to prevent it. But you wouldn't say that it would be a more severe IVH in second pregnancy because there was one. So there's that slight difference between RH and so there's no potentiation of effect, but the risk is high. Okay. Um, so say if we have a have if we had a baby um, of a primary gravida who had Nate and um, mum would like to um, 
get pregnant again does that mum um, so so i think the mum should be counseled and then we should be um, doing the investigations as you had said in the mum for the future pregnancies um including some management and given antenatally if there are concerns continuing what sort of communication um should we be um fixating on when we're talking to parents so um i think this is sort of specialized counseling that should be taken through genetics now um i did say that you would do genotyping to confirm the homozygosity or heterozygosity of the platelet antigens in dad because that is what is going to affect uh your statistics so let's say um if the dad is homozygous for 1a there's a 100% chance that the next pregnancy will be affected by nate whereas if the dad is heterozygous then there's a 50% chance so um the risk in the pregnancy will depend on the zygosity of the dad in terms of platelet antigens with a 100% risk for homozygosity and a 50% risk for heterozygosity so that will have to be taken into account uh, when the parents are being counseled and they will have to be given plans for how that pregnancy would be managed as i described uh, with screening starting from 24 weeks with the possibility of intrauterine uh, transfusions so yeah this would be a specialized genetic counseling uh, that would have genetic input from the blood services as well and the fetal medicine unit i'm sure would be doing this quite commonly lovely thank you so that means that we should be referring those mom those those parents to genetics and fetal medicine thank you for being with us today i have one last question for you and it is about the most common type of thrombocytopenia that we see in well neonates which is placental insufficiency i think we have talked a lot about immune thrombocytopenias today um but i wanted to ask the role ask about the role of blood film and how will the platelets look on a blood film in case of a placental insufficiency um they won't look any different they are probably just going to be reduced in number so the role of the blood film in that situation or uh, you know especially if you have a polycythemic baby is to sort of determine whether the measured count by the machine is low because there are clumps of platelets on the film that you see or is it a true true thrombocytopenia and actually the number being reduced that's the role of the blood film there won't be any specific appearances as such okay and um i think i would like to tell my listeners that there is definitely a role of placental histology so we should be sending the placenta if we have um if we if we are concerned about placental insufficiency because placental histology will tell us and confirm the diagnosis of placental insufficiency for us lovely thank you um it was really lovely talking to you and thank you so much for your time dr thakur it's a pleasure and i wanted to say thank you again to both dr mega jagger and to dr indu thakur for recording that episode for us Join us next week when we're going to be doing another Dragon Bites Basics episode for our healthcare students. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites.